The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Life has rhythms. And there are some rhythms in your thinking that are messing you up. And so what stinking thinking do you need to quit in this season? Just throwing it out there. Here's the deal, right? For uh, almost three months now, we have been doing sermon series that have just been so appropriate to the season, but they have felt really heavy. I mean, some weighty stuff, and uh, I'm excited about talking about something new and different. We're talking about rhythms, and so here's the, our whole theme for 2020. When we started back in January, it was all things new, believing that God is at work making all things new, and man, there's no better time than right now for us to be reminded of that reality that he is at work in us and through us making all things new, and I think God wants to make our thinking new. Isn't it amazing how two people can go through the same exact situation, one flourishes and one falters? One is struggling, and one finds joy and hope in the midst of it. Why? Because our thinking can get muddied and direct our living. The reality is our thinking has a cadence to it. That's right. It, a little bit of a cadence like the, the footsteps of a run or the drumbeat of a song. Your mind has a rhythm. Your thoughts have a cadence. In, in fact, I want you to think about it like this. Your thinking is like going for a hike in a field. And as you walk, you begin to trample down the grass. Every step is like a beat, and it's carving a, a path. And, it, and it's setting a course for your life. Uh, in fact, let's take it a little step further because this isn't just Patrick's idea. Neurologists would support this idea that this is a little bit of what your mind looks like. And all of the grass in the field, we'll call those neurons. We'll call them neurons because that's what they're called. Neurotransmitters are the chemicals that create thoughts from one piece of grass to the next, one neuron to the next. And so here's the deal. In your thinking, the neurotransmitters are always looking for the path of least resistance. They're looking for um, the path of efficiency. And so here, let me show you another video. You're walking down a path. Here's what your mind is looking for. It's looking for a well-beaten path path. And when it finds that path, it will immediately go down. So how does your mind create neural pathways? Well, here's how your mind does that. When you think something, the neurotransmitters go through the field. When you think the same thing again, it goes through that same footsteps. If you keep taking the same path, if you keep walking the same direction, eventually your mind will carve these neural pathways. Now, this is why certain habits take a long time to establish. These neurologists, but other, um, you know, psychology uh, leaders, they would say three to six months to develop a new habit, a new discipline, a new pattern, a new way of thinking. Why? Because what your mind needs is 10,000 repetitions. It needs you to walk down the same path over and over and over again. So here, here's the challenge, right? Let's say you're out for a walk, your mind is thinking, 
and you're going through a new way of thinking. Well, a mind changed by a new idea can never return to its former state. But while you're out on the hike, your mind meets a path. Here's what happens. You're on a, you're on a walk through a field. Neurotransmitters are creating a new idea. But then you run into an old path. Your mind wants to be, it wants the path of least resistance. And so what your mind does is the moment it meets an intersection, it immediately jumps on that path and starts running down it. It finds an already existing neural pathway and immediately takes it. So the challenge is while your mind can never return to the same state when it's changed by a new idea, you can be having a new thought, but then meet an intersection of an old idea and immediately you will start going down that path. And so really the question is, do you like the paths of your thinking? Do you like going down the path that you've been consistently going down? And so I'm gonna give you a challenge, right? Because here's the deal. Your thinking directs your living. Pause and think about that for a minute. Now, I want all of you online, you're gonna be participating with us. Now, we're doing something this weekend. We're getting back to in-person services. This is our soft opening, meaning we invited our Dream Team volunteers to join us, a few others to join us. And so it's gonna be a little unique because I have people present, but I really want you to join me as well, and I want you to all engage with me. Really, the first question is, do you like the paths of your thinking? Is the direction of your thought life leading you in the right direction of your life? Because here's the deal. We become, we move our life in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Okay, so you, you have a critical moment. You, you feel a critical of a situation. Maybe it's critical of a certain race or critical of the police or critical of the way the government's handling a pandemic. You're, you're critical of a spouse. You're critical of a friend. You're critical of the way others drive. And here's what happens. That new criticism meets a well-trodden pathway of a critical way of living and it develops a critical spirit in you. You wake up on a new day, but on this new day, you have a thought. This is going to be a hard day. And the moment you have that thought, you find the intersection of a well-trodden path of every day is a hard day. And immediately your life goes down that path. And guess what happens? It's going to be a hard day. You think to yourself, I can't. And you probably won't. Some of you think, I can. And you know what I've learned? You probably will. Some of you think you're a victim. And you become a victim. Some of you think you can overcome and you most likely will overcome. Some of you think there's no way out of this, and as a result, you live stuck. Others of you, you believe you will overcome, and as a result, you will and you do overcome. You see, our, our thinking directs our living. We are constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so here's the challenge, right? If we're gonna change our living, we have to change our thinking. So change thinking, results in a changed life. You change your thinking, change your life. Easy, easier said than done. That's kind of the point. So because our life 
is directed by our thoughts and our life is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, we're going to have to change our thinking if we're going to change our life. But how do you do that? Well, I'm going to give you a, a challenge. The challenge is this. We need to win in the battlefield of our mind. Imagine the field, but not just a field, not just a field of grass, a battlefield, a battlefield of the direction of your thoughts, a battlefield where you're being pulled to think in one direction, but you really need to go in a different direction. And so we need to win in the battlefield of our mind. And so how are we going to win in the battlefield of our mind? And so I want to bring you to a passage in this series. We're going to be walking through different Psalms from the book of Psalms in the Bible. And Psalm 1 is kind of an introduction. Now, the book of Psalms, imagine it kind of like a hymn book, a, a song book, a, a playlist some of you, you have your Spotify playlist. This is kind of like a playlist for worship for the nation of Israel in ancient times. And many of these Psalms were written in very private moments, but written for the goal of corporate worship. And so David, he writes many of these Psalms and he writes them. And Psalm 1 is kind of an introduction to the whole book of Psalms. And the idea of Psalm 1 is he's kind of introducing this idea of how we live our life and how we live our life, not just with God involved, but how we live our life uh, with our life uh, being uh, directed by God. And how God directs our thought life so that he can direct our life. So let's just jump in. And here's what, we're gonna, here's what we see right off the bat. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners, uh, Wait, oh, I got myself all thrown off here. I, I, I lost my cadence, my rhythm of reading. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of that, that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, right? And so right off the bat, what you notice here is kind of this rhythm. He goes, your thinking has a rhythm where you're, you're walking, you're standing, you're sitting. Your thought life kind of has an active part to it and then it has this, it starts to relax, and then it settles in. He goes, you got to be careful. You're blessed when you recognize that you can be influenced by who you're walking with, what you're walking alongside of, what you are standing next to, who you're hanging out with, and what you're sitting and watching. And in this psalm, he says you are blessed, meaning your life will flourish when you recognize, and he, he has a contrast of two ways of thinking. The first way of thinking is a wrong way of thinking. And so, so he's saying, avoid this way of this rhythm of thinking where you're constantly walking with the wrong people, hanging out with the wrong people, and sitting and watching the wrong things. He goes, watch out for your thought life that is directed by lies and corruption and foolishness. But it's not just a warning. It's not just a, a, a way of thinking to avoid. He also gives us an invitation on a right way of thinking. So let's jump to verse two. He goes, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So he goes, you're blessed if you avoid this way of living and you're blessed when you delight in God's, in the law of the Lord, and you meditate on it day and night. And the idea here is this, you not only flourish at life, 
but he's, he uses the word delight. What, what fills you with joy, what gets you excited throughout the day. If what gets you excited is God's word and God's way, then you will flourish at life. And here's the deal. So he has this contrast. He goes like this. He goes, okay, so there's a, there's a wrong way of thinking that we need to avoid. There's a right way of thinking that we need to take, a path we need to take. Okay. He goes, and as a result, those two different ways of thinking will create two different ways of living. And the different ways of living have two very different outcomes. Check this out. Here it is. Here's, here's the outcome. That person, so he's referring to the person who walks in the way of the law of God. They delight in the way of God. He goes, yes, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Not so with the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. He goes, here's the reality. When you go down the wrong way of thinking, your life falters and fails, When you go down the right way of thinking, following God's way and God's word, it flourishes. So how do I, he goes, and here's the result. One one flourishes, one's fruitful, one falters, one faints, one fails. One prospers, while one is devastated and in ruin. They're like chaff. Their life is shallow. Their life has no weight. Their life um, has no substitute. It's something that the wind can just blow away, easily forgotten. And the end result of these two paths, these two ways of living, these two ways of thinking are this. Let's jump to verse five and six. So he says, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Here's what the author is saying. He goes, when we are living trapped in a way of thinking that's directed by lies and corruption, the end result is that it wrecks our life and it leads to a forever ruin. And he says, but if you follow the way of God, God's way and God's word, your life prospers and there's an eternal prospering. So every one of us that are listening to this, we go, yeah, I want the good way, not the bad way. Well, how do you get this? And the challenge with this is that it, this is not a mind over matter teaching. So I, I know a lot of you, as you're hearing this, you're thinking like, okay, Patrick's talking about like mind over matter. No, not at all. Because here's the challenge. Every single one of us have deeply carved pathways, neural pathways, pathways of criticism, pathways of hurt, pathways of hate, pathways of frustration, of anger, of disappointment, of discouragement. And as we get up in the morning, we are looking for those pathways and we find them and they get us into trouble. And so this isn't just a mind over matter. Like you can make your life better by changing your thinking and changing your life, right? It doesn't work like that because some, so the problem is because of all these carved paths, you and I have developed routines that have become ruts spiritual ruts, sin ruts. Sin is just a word to capture this idea of our bent away from God. And in your, even your mind has sin carvings where we have developed patterns of living that drive us away from God over and over and over again. And because we, our mind and our spirit push us away from God, we head 
right? Our life is going in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so we're always headed toward ruin because we're thinking about what we want rather than what God wants. We're following our way rather than God's way. That's sin. And the end result of sin is not just that it ruins our life. It ruins our forever life. We live far from God, headed toward a destruction. How devastating. But God. One of my favorite lines is to say, but God. God refused to leave you and I on this life path toward ruin. And so God intervened. He became one of us. He stepped into our world, not just into our field, but he stepped into our world, into a sin world, corrupted by lies, corrupted by Satan, corrupted by sin. And he took on our judgment, the judgment we deserve. And when Jesus died, he died once for all, absorbing the death sentence, the eternal judgment that you and I face. And because he died in our place, he was able to forgive us of sin. But Jesus didn't just die. Jesus rose from the dead. And in his resurrection, he purchased victory forever for everyone who believes in him by faith. And so as you and I believe in Jesus by faith, God, God's spirit enters into our spirit and transforms us. And so I want to pause for a moment. Maybe that's where you're at right now. Maybe, maybe your whole life you've been trying to do a mind over matter thing. No matter how hard you've tried, you haven't been able to get out of ruts, right? Because you're trying to force yourself to avoid the intersections with wrong ways of thinking that lead to wrong ways of living. What you need is for God to regrow the field of your mind by his spirit, make all things new, even in your mind. The only way that's going to happen is through faith in Jesus Christ, who forgives and gives new life. And if you're making that decision right now, whether, you, whether you're present with us for each one of you joining us online, can I encourage you, if you're ready to make that commitment, would you text us? Text Jesus. Let me just make sure I'm near, near the TV screen. Text Jesus to 41411. By the way, can I strongly encourage you? You make that commitment right now. Some of you, you've been, you've been participating with us online for a while. And you've been just kind of holding back. It's time for you to make a commitment. It's time for you to carve a new path in your life, a, a path of Jesus at the center, Jesus at the center of your heart, Jesus at the center of your spirit, Jesus at the center of your thinking. And so you let us know. And by the way, we'd also encourage you to make a, a visible step of that commitment by getting baptized. And when you text Jesus, we're also gonna encourage you and how you can take a next step in getting baptized. Okay, so now you've made this commitment. Here's what the author of the letter to the church in Rome wrote about what God does when you make a faith commitment to Jesus. Check this out. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Let me, let me make it, uh, help this boy pop for you. What he's saying is, don't let the world around you, don't let the news, don't let all of your friends who you've been hanging around with, don't let everything that you read in the media, don't let that carve into your thinking the way they think. So he goes like this, but be transformed. And this word transformed, it translates into English metamorphosis. Be meta, experience metamorphosis by the renewing of your mind through faith in Jesus Christ, allowing God's spirit into your spirit. And when God gets into your spirit, he begins to change every part of your being. He changes how you think. He changes how you feel. He changes how you speak. He changes how you spend. 
from selfishness to selflessness, from greed to generosity, right? Well, as God transforms our thinking, he goes, so do not let them carve the pathways in your mind. Don't let the neural pathways be hiked on because of those around you or what you're taking in. Allow God to give you a metamorphosis transformation that regrows the grass of your mind, the neurons, rebuilds the neuro, the neuro health in your thinking. That's literally what Paul is writing here. Okay, he's saying, when you through faith in Jesus Christ, allow God's spirit to come into your spirit. God will rebuild the neuro pathways in your mind so that you can begin to think new things. You can change your thinking so you can change your life and you can begin to win in the battlefield of your mind. And so I'm gonna give you a couple uh, brief but practical steps in how you do this. The first thing I wanna give you, encourage you to do is this, make right thinking stick. Make it stick. Create sticky memories. Create sticky thinking. What do I mean by that? So I have a friend. In fact, he comes to Lifehouse, uh, Jay Snyder. He's actually one of our elders. Several years ago, I was talking with Jay about how my mom had done a marathon. And I was a little jealous, honestly. I mean, when your mom runs a marathon and you don't, I mean, you, you, you're a slacker. And, and so I was telling him about this. And he was like, Patrick, you could run a marathon. I was like, what are you talking about? I go out and run like two, three miles. He goes, no, absolutely, you can run a marathon. He planted an idea in my mind. And I told him I couldn't do it. He goes, no, you could. Almost to prove him wrong, I started training for a marathon. And then I did one. Now I've done eight. Here's the thing, it has to become sticky. I have, a, I have someone in my life, uh, they were a significant spiritual mentor in my life. And before Lifehouse even began, they used to tell me, Patrick, I believe in you. And you're going to plant a church. And that church is going to have an incredible impact in this city. And your church is going to start churches. And it's going to have impact in cities. I didn't believe it. I couldn't see it. But because he saw and he believed it, the idea stuck in my mind. And it began to carve a neural pathway. But here's the deal. It's, you have to make it stick. How? If I think, okay, I'm going to go for, I'm going to run a marathon. Well, what do you do? You got to set your alarm. The sound is going to get you out of bed. Then you got to put on some clothes and then you got to go for a run. Here's the deal. You got to create a rhythm to your thinking by activating all five of your senses. The more senses you can utilize, it will create a stickier thought process. If you can attach smell to it, if you can attach taste to it, here's the deal. When you go for a run, I'm going to drink my Gatorade. I'm going to take my gels. I'm smelling the experience of being outdoors in nature, right? Like all, I'm feeling something. You're experiencing something that begins to shape your thinking. That's what we refer to as mental toughness. And, but not just that, right? You, you don't just have sticky thinking, right, where you're experiencing something that is beginning to shape the repetitions of your thinking, you and I need to exercise our mind. I want you to take note of this. You and I need to exercise our mind. So I want you to think about it like worry. Worry is the lazy version of working your mind. Worry is sitting back and lounging on your couch when you know you should be exercising. Right? It's, it's kind of a lazy version. You're meditating on what could go wrong rather than what could go right. You're, 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 you're saying that fear is going to win the day rather than faith can win the day. And so when, when, he, uh, when he's talking in Psalms, he says, I want you to delight 
and meditate. Delighting and meditate. Delighting is the sticky thinking. It's enjoying a new way of thinking. Meditating is exercising your mind. It's developing the hard work of disciplining the repetitions of your thinking to go in the right direction. So think about it. Worry is lounging, thinking, man, I just ate way too many calories. Now I feel bad. And now you start to think about all the things that could go wrong. Meditating is taking God's word, his truth, planting it in my life, and then working my mind to focus on what can go right and what God can do and what faith can accomplish rather than dwelling on Satan's lies and what can go wrong and, what, and how fear is gonna win the day. And so I wanna challenge you to meditate on God's word. When you, get, when you find yourself in a rut, well, here's what you and I need to do. We need to study the word of God and find the truth of the word of God that speaks to that rut and then we begin to meditate on we begin to exercise and what exercise begins to do is we start running up the hill of that rut and as we meditate on God's truth it gets us out of those stuck areas of our life and we begin to make all things new my challenge is I want you to begin to think in new ways there's a reason why leaders can rally even in a pandemic season not because we, we're just like yippee hopeful, not just because we're like, ah, this isn't a problem, because we're still focused on the future. We're living by faith. We're focused on what God can do, even in the midst of a global sickness. And so I wanna challenge you, change your thinking to change your life. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your thinking directs your living. So what needs to change? How do you need to begin to change how you're living? Here's what I want you to do. You gotta declare it. That's one of the great things about the word of God is he gives you these declaration statements. And if you're gonna begin to think differently, you're gonna have to state it. This isn't mind over matter. This is taking God's truth and declaring God's truth over Satan's lies that have been embedded in your thinking, right? Some of you, you've been told you're worth nothing. Here's what you gotta declare. I am worth the life of Jesus Christ. Some of you have been told, I can't your whole life. And God says, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength, right? This is you beginning to take hold of the truth of God. I, it's you saying, you've been told your whole life, you have no value. And you say, I am who God says I am. I am a child of God. I am no longer a slave to my past. I'm no longer a slave to my fears. I'm no longer a slave to what I was told. I'm a child of God. God. I was born with a purpose. I've been created with a mission. My life has meaning and value and substance. You're going to declare, Jesus has given my life meaning. Jesus is the purpose of my life. I am going to live for Jesus, right? When you declare that, you wake up. You wake up and you begin to declare the truth of God. I live for Jesus alone. It changes things. Suddenly you're not living for yourself. You're not living for a paycheck. You're not living for your boss. I'm gonna serve Jesus today. I'm gonna please Jesus today. You think about what that declaration does in your life. Now, now take it a step further. You're gonna say, I love my spouse. That's gonna change your marriage. My marriage can be the most fulfilling relationship in my life. You need to declare that right now. And as you declare, because that's the truth, and it overcomes Satan's lies. My life has meaning and substance. You declare it. What I do today will matter forever. I have everything I need in Jesus. He 
He's given me the power of his spirit. And because God has given me his gifts, he has given me his power, I am fully equipped to accomplish everything he created me to do today. See, when you begin to declare it, it changes how you live. Maybe you, you puff out your chest a little bit. Maybe you hold your head a little higher. Maybe you're not cowering in fear. You're not worried about the news so much. You're not getting consumed with what everyone is getting consumed by. You say, I will live selflessly. I will give when others are greedy, right? As you declare it, it begins to change your life. And so that's what I want to do right now. I want to pray a declaration prayer over you. Jesus, we declare that right now. You are king and you are God and you are good all the time. We are not going to live in fear. We're not going to live in doubt. We're not going to live in worry. We know that you are good regardless of what is wrong around us. What is wrong around us doesn't prove that you are wrong. It proves that you are good in spite of our troubles, in spite of our suffering. And so we look to you, God, and we say, God, you are good and we love you and we thank you that you are for us and because you are for us we can live every day for you we love you and we will live for you and we will focus on eternity we will focus on being selfless rather than being selfish and God we're asking right now that you begin to change our thinking so that we can have our lives changed by that new way of thinking we declare this we believe it by faith in Jesus name amen Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.